Hello once again to each of you who have joined me before with this podcast known as Faith to Live By, and welcome if this is your first time listening. With this weekly program, I seek to help us consider current events from a biblical and prophetic perspective so we, as God's children, can know how He wants us to respond. I'm your host, Pam Christian. In light of the very serious events that have been taking place in the Middle East since October 7, 2023, I hope you've heard the last two weeks' podcasts. They were number 172, titled, Things Are Not As They Seem, and 173, Israel, Then and Now. My goal with those two podcasts, along with today's, is to help all of us who are trying to find the truth about the ancient Arab-Israeli conflict to reconsider what we've thought to be true in light of what more is being revealed, with the caveat that discovering truth is a process. When we have so much propaganda and censorship through the centuries about this conflict, we really must be diligent about what we claim to be true today. Also, as time advances, we will learn even more, which will likely alter some of what we think is true today. With this in mind, it's important we are dogmatic only with that which we know has been proven to be true. Even then, there will be people who, because of years of indoctrination and an unwillingness to reconsider what they believe, will continue on the course that they think to be true, only to realize someday that, in fact, they have been deceived. This is the challenge I have with all of my work, to get people to reconsider what they believe to be true. It's a tough task because everyone thinks what they believe is true because no one intentionally bases their life on deception and lies. So the way I seek to have people be open to reconsidering what they believe to be true is to ask them, could you be deceived about matters of truth? And then before they have a chance to answer, I explain. When a person is deceived, they are unaware of their condition. They usually slant their head as they are thinking about this, and then I emphasize, when a person is deceived, they are completely unaware of their condition. The very nature of deception is that the victim is unaware. World events in our day have indeed become so compelling that every one of us must choose to re-examine what we believe so we can confidently live our life on the basis of truth. Of course, none of us will ever have the corner on truth. Discovering truth is a process as we learn more, allowing us to reconsider what we believe and adjust as needed. And I'll add, it takes a lot of courage and maturity to be willing to reconsider what you believe. Most of us hold certain beliefs because a parent, teacher, or other well-respected person in our life taught us to. To reconsider what we've been taught by a trusted source can feel like disrespect to them. But let me ask you, Would you rather live never questioning what you believe, with there being a very real chance what you believe is not completely true? We will have to live with questions on different matters until and if they are answered. But hopefully we are each governed by the desire to be actively engaged in an intentional process to discover truth until the day we die. This passion of wanting all of us to know truth is what compelled me to write my first book in my Faith to Live By series titled, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. I hope you get it for yourself and also buy some to give as gifts because it helps the reader reconsider what they believe on matters of truth itself with the question, is truth relative or absolute? And I explore world religions providing a chapter on the origins of Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, and New Age or secularism, 
so you can compare the respective beliefs and decide for yourself what makes the most logical and spiritual sense to embrace. Learn more about the book using the link in the show notes. In preparing for today's podcast, I was at a deep loss what to focus on because there are just so many atrocities in the world occurring at the same time. And because of that, I decided I would simply go to the Lord in a personal prayer time. I journal my prayers, and this is in part what I heard from the Lord. Yes, Pamela, there are many issues occurring at the same time, like one tornado after another with earthquakes, torrential rains, and volcanoes all at the same time. There is no place in the natural to escape all that is happening in the spiritual realm. The only way anyone is going to get through these times is to lean on me and make certain to be right with me, and then they will be protected. Yes, Pamela, as you are thinking, prayers for people to repent without delay are essential in this hour. Yes, Pamela, I am using the term in this hour much more often than in the past because the time I have been warning you about is upon you. October 7th ushered in a new release of the enemy in the world. Yes, the Prince of Persia has violently surfaced again. Satan has positioned his minions all around the world against my people because my people became lax and even sympathetic to many of the evils he advanced. But now people are seeing the fruit of their doing and many are repenting, but some still refuse. And with God saying that much, it's exceedingly important that we understand we are witnessing the very real battle of good versus evil, a spiritual battle that is always manifest in the natural world. And in this hour, we are at a critical, pivotal point. God spoke about this through Julie Green, which she shared October 31st, about the tremendous intensity in this hour. I'll share more about this prophecy a little bit later. With today's podcast, I will continue to do my best to bring you more information to consider what is actually true and choose to properly align with what is good and righteous and of God. I want to share encouragement and wisdom and insights from God through my time in prayer, through earnest study, and from the words of trusted modern-day prophets and teachers. I try to craft each podcast so it can be a standalone, but in reality, all of them are a continuum of discovery. So I hope you go back through and listen to the podcasts that pique your interest. I have shared many times that I don't believe we're living in the last of the last days, but in a forerunner or a foreshadow time with many parallels for what is yet to come. Why does God allow parallel events that are foreshadows and forerunners? Well, it's to wake people up by way of experience that what has been prophesied, no matter how unbelievable or far-fetched to our thinking, can in fact come to pass. It is to wake people up to the fact that the inconceivable events that are foretold will come to pass just as God reveals. I firmly believe it's God's grace and mercy to give us a foretaste so we can choose how we will respond today in preparation for tomorrow. Please keep all I just shared in mind as I do my best to briefly but adequately have us consider the following four points today. Number one, the history of the land God promised to his people through Abraham. Number two, the spiritual world controls what happens in the natural world. Number three, conflict on earth is a reflection of the conflict in heaven to bring us to choose with whom and what we will be aligned. And number four, this current Arab-Israeli war in the natural is to bring a new and widespread victory 
ushering in a new era with kingdom emphasis on earth for the ecclesia. So, to the first point, specific to ownership of land in the Middle East, it starts with God's promise to Abraham's descendants that the land of Canaan would be theirs. God confirmed the promise through Isaac and then Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Monuments were left throughout the land through the many years of these three men's lives as markers to designate the land was theirs. There came a time of great famine that caused Abraham's descendants to leave the land and travel to Egypt. In Egypt, they were enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years, which fulfilled what God specifically stated to Abraham about his descendants. God delivered his people from their enslavement through Moses, and by way of Moses, then Joshua, God returned his people to the promised land. To understand the history of the land and people, in Genesis 10, we learn that Ham, one of Noah's three sons, fathered many, including a son named Canaan. The descendants of Canaan include the Jebusites, Amorites, Hivites, and more, collectively referred to as the Canaanites. During the Bronze Age, circa 3,500 to 1,150 BC, they lived in the land known as the Southern Levant, which is now recognized as Israel, the Palestinian Authority, Jordan, Lebanon, and parts of Syria. These were lawless people and idol worshippers who practiced all manner of ungodly customs which God detested. These were people who rejected God. In Genesis 15, God confirms his unconditional covenant with Abram, later named Abraham. God promises Abram a multitude of descendants who will inherit the land in which Abram sojourns. God then gives Abram a brief timeline of future events, explaining, quote, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. Well, this refers to the people's enslavement by the Egyptians. Then in Genesis 15:16, concerning Abraham's offspring returning to the promised land, God states, quote, And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet complete. As I shared last week, God often intervenes in the evil affairs of humanity as a means of purging sin out and limiting the progress of sin in the world. In Genesis 15:16, God reveals to Abraham there will be a future time when the sin of the Amorites is complete and therefore subject to God's intervention by way of judgment, at which time Abraham's offspring will return and be given the promised land. The manner in which God gave them the land was to bring them to it with instructions that they were to take the land by way of conquest. Their conquest of the land would accomplish two things. First, fulfill the promise for Abraham's descendants to receive the land, and second, the administration of God's judgment against the Amorites at the point in time when their iniquities or sin is full. The Israelites had been sternly warned in Leviticus 20 that they were not to live like the ungodly nations. Leviticus 20, 22-25, God states, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God, who separated you from the peoples. When the sin of the Amorites was full, God executed judgment upon them, instructing Joshua to make conquest of the land. The conquest 
was more about ending the Canaanites' idolatrous religious and cultural practices than ending the lives of the people. Ezekiel 18.32 states, quote, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord, so turn and live. And in Ezekiel 33.11 we read, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And 2 Peter 3.9 declares, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Keep in mind God always gives nations opportunity to repent before judgment. 2 Peter 3.9, Revelation 2.20-21 the Amorite nation had plenty of time to turn from their idolatry, but they despised God's goodness and long-suffering and refused to repent, Romans 2.4. The Lord's judgment upon them was severe, and anyone who imitates their rebellion will eternally regret it. In light of Romans 2, verse 5, Matthew 10.28, and Revelation 2.22-23, let this be a warning to all of us today. As scriptures reveal, Joshua obeyed the Lord by being courageous and leading an elite group of soldiers as he destroyed the wicked peoples who inhabited the land of Canaan, which included the Amorites, whose time of judgment had arrived for their continuing to reject God. The Bible documents continued purges that furthered the readiness for Israel to take possession of all the land God promised. The defeat of the Amalekites is another example of the history of the land and people. Amalek was a descendant of Esau, the twin brother of Jacob. Recall Esau sold his birthright, which indicated his lack of respect for the position and privilege God had given him. His careless treatment of his God-given blessing shows his true focus was on temporary desires more than lifetime blessing. This is another form of rejecting God. As a result, Jacob received Esau's blessing and was later named Israel. Amalek grew up in the land near Canaan, imbibing Esau's pathological hatred of Jacob's descendants, which is the very root of anti-Semitism. Esau's descendants, the Amalekites, carried on the attitude of rejection for God and hatred for Jacob and his offspring, which were and are the Israelites. As we learn from Exodus 17, the Amalekites were the first nation of people who attacked the Israelites after the exodus from Egypt. They were an archetypical enemy to the Jews. While the Jews were en route in the Sinai Desert, the Amalekites launched a surprise attack on the Jews. In response and in obedience to God, Moses instructed Joshua to take an elite troop of soldiers to counter the attack the next day. This is the famous battle where Aaron and Hur had to physically help Moses keep his arms lifted so that the Jews would be victorious. In Exodus 17.14b, regarding the Amalekites, God said, I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. From this, Moses stated, The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. In light of this, it's exceptionally important to note that a later descendant of Amalek was Haman under the Persians in the book of Esther, who wanted to annihilate the Jews. The nation of the Amalekites is gone, but the people live on as an internal enemy that God's people battle with on a daily basis, and this includes all of God's people all around the world today. I string all of this history together about the people and the land to bring out the following points. Number one, the whole earth is God's, 
to give to the people as he desires. Number two, to this very day, there continues to be two groups of people, those who embrace God and those who don't. Number three, anyone opposing the land granted to the Israelites is, in reality, opposing God. Number four, anti-Semitism is an ancient evil that is again very soon to be judged by God in our day, as it has been many times in the past. And number five, anti-Semitism is in reality a rejection of God and all his revealed ways for the salvation of humanity. Specific with this current horrendous war in the Middle East, there are ancient spirits behind the conflict who are territorial in nature. Evil spirits take over particular regions where they rule through people until their rulership is broken. This is brought out for us to understand through Daniel. Although Daniel's specific vision is believed to be fulfilled yet in the future, we can learn from the text. The prophet Daniel had received a troubling vision concerning a great war, Daniel chapter 10 verse 1, which exposed the ongoing spiritual warfare in the heavenly realm. He went into a three-week period of mourning, fasting, and prayer. In response to Daniel's prayer, God sent a heavenly messenger to explain the vision. However, the messenger was delayed for those same three weeks, as he explains to Daniel. Quote, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Daniel 10.13 the prince of Persia refers to an evil angelic being associated with the Persian Empire who resists God's purposes. Evil spirits are permitted to remain and even advance in regions and communities and homes so long as people perpetrate the destruction the enemy intends. Later, the angel speaking to Daniel predicts further fighting, and he says, Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the Book of Truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. We read that in verses 20 and 21. This text explains how the Jews were not simply facing human opposition and enmity at an earthly court of the Persian king, but powerful spiritual beings operating in the heavenly realms. Although this spiritual opponent was powerful enough to delay God's messenger, a delay was all he could cause. Michael, an archangel, who seems to have special responsibility to care for the nation of Israel, arrived and was able to assist the other heavenly angel. As explained by GotQuestions.org, taking this passage at face value, it seems the prince of Persia is a fallen angel who in some sense had authority or influence over the physical kingdom of Persia. In Daniel 10, the prophet is praying about the future of his people and their exile in Persia. A heavenly angel is dispatched with the answer, but a demonic prince of Persia obstructs the messenger. This action would make sense, as the divine answer involves the overthrow of the Persian Empire. The angelic messenger finally gets some help from the archangel Michael, who is apparently the prince or one of the princes of Israel in the angelic realm. Daniel 10, verse 13 and 21. Then the angelic messenger says he will face even more spiritual warfare returning to fight against the prince of Persia. After that, he will face another spiritual enemy, the Prince of Greece, Daniel 10.20. We know from history, and as was prophesied in Daniel, that Greece would be the next world power after Persia, and that Greece would dominate the land for a time. Scholars state this information is in preparation for events to occur as identified in Revelation chapter 11. 
In this passage, three spiritual entities are mentioned in relation to three earthly nations. The two evil entities, the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece, and the heavenly Prince of Israel, Michael. As the New Testament reminds us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6.12 The parallel battle is real and manifest on earth. Depending upon what people want and with whom they want to be aligned, events on earth play out. It is interesting to know that modern Iran is ancient Persia. The ancient Persians were originally an ancient Iranian people who had migrated to the region of Persis, corresponding to the modern-day Iranian province of Fars, by the 9th century BCE. Therefore, Persian people are not Arab, they're Aryans. The term Aryan has long been used to denote the Indo-Iranian, specifically the Iranian and the Indo-Aryan peoples, collectively known as the Indo-Iranians. As a Shiite Muslim nation, leaders have repeatedly announced they intend on wiping out Israel off the face of the earth. Iran persecutes Christian believers as well, providing evidence the spiritual prince of Persia is still active today. But as with all of Satan's minions, his time is limited, and he can only go as far as God will allow, as God controls all and is working to accomplish his perfect will. How does God do this? Well, He's God, and he can certainly zap anything into existence anytime he wants, but the vast majority of times, he works through his people. One way to know the common mindset of a culture is to identify the best-selling books for that culture. I have a link in the show notes so you can see what everyday Iranians buy and read. Most Westerners will find it shocking, and hopefully this shock will reveal just how woefully naive we are. As to the other surrounding nations and what we can expect from Daniel's vision, in Ezekiel 38 we learn about Gog and Magog who are often seen as leaders of a great attack on Israel in a future age. In the New Testament, Gog and Magog are names of nations led by Satan to attack Jerusalem at the end of the thousand years or the millennial reign of Christ. Revelation 20 verse 8. Magog is seen as representing the Scythian people who ruled vast regions of Asia north of the Black Sea, and the Caspian, which is modern Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan. And they also conquered people east and south of the Black Sea, encompassing modern Georgia, Armenia, and Turkey. We also learn about ancient Ethiopia, which is not the modern-day African Ethiopia, but modern-day Sudan. Libya is also mentioned, which happens to be the same general land area by the same name today. And Gomer is mentioned, which is modern-day Germany. Lastly, we read about Togoma, which is modern-day Turkey. From all of this, we must understand there have been and are evil powers and principalities at work in various regions all around the world, influencing people to do unimaginable acts. We must learn to be discerning of spirits and learn how to effectively conduct spiritual warfare as instructed in the Bible and according to God's rhema and prophetic words today. With this podcast, I believe you will come to understand the spirit of anti-Semitism is ancient and the evil spirit of the Prince of Persia still influences people, especially in the Middle East, but also by way of extension, influences people all around the world. The demonstrations and protests and more that have erupted in different nations around the world in support of the Palestinian people demonstrates the lack of truth and proper understanding people are operating under. Given the lessons we should have learned from Nazi Germany alone, 
I was so very saddened to learn of the anti-Israel protests in France, Russia, and more. The Russian protest included people who stormed a Russian airport searching for Jewish passengers. They resisted airport authorities and threw stones at the police as gunshots were heard. More than 20 people were injured, and two of these are in critical condition. Imagine being a passenger on a commercial flight and learning of a violent mob of protesters storming the tarmac with intentions to persecute you once you land simply because you're Jewish. Clearly, we are living in a time when the wheat and the tares are growing together, but the time of harvest is coming. Just as we have annual harvest with our agricultural crops, so does God have regular harvests where he separates the wheat from the tares as it pertains to individual people. Prophets have been predicting a great harvest of souls for Christ for years now, referring to it as a billion-soul harvest, and I have every reason to believe the events we have been living through are planned by God to cause people to come to truth, to recognize the extent and origin of evil in this world, and to emphatically choose to run from evil and to be fully repentant and restored into a right relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah by the power of the Holy Spirit. About the Ecclesia and the new era we've entered, when Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18, he was not describing a church in the sense of our Western understanding. He was not talking about a people being called out to a building, an office, services, or activities unto themselves. No, he was talking about setting apart a people, calling them out, and mobilizing them to engage others, which is why Jesus used the word ecclesia, which unfortunately is translated to the word church in our Bibles. But speaking to the Jews who lived under Roman rule, Jesus knew that people would thoroughly understand the word ecclesia. When Jesus promised to build his church, the ecclesia, he said, the gates of Hades will not overcome it, Matthew 16, 18. An understanding of the biblical implications of gates helps us interpret Jesus' words. Since a gate was a place where rulers met and counsel was given, Jesus was saying that all evil plans of Satan himself would never defeat the church or the ecclesia. And it is the new era of the ecclesia, the kingdom rule, that we have already stepped into. In these very days, we are about to see the ecclesia function the way Jesus always intended and we will see God's kingdom will done on earth in our time in ways never before seen. This is the new era Johnny Inlow, Kat Kerr, Tim Sheets, and others have been prophesying. This war in the Middle East, along with everything else we have suffered, especially since 2020, is yet another way of God causing people to reconsider what they believe in matters of religious faith. It's a way to shock people out of their assumption that they know the truth and are right about their beliefs. It's a way to display the evil for what it is and bring people to the point of wanting to repent and become aligned with God so that instead of judgment, they experience justice. Through Julie Green, on October 31st, God said in part, and I quote, For I, the Lord, this day am telling you, my children, that a great finale is coming, a finale your enemies will never see. They will never see it coming because they are not looking for me. They have their own way, their own plans, but a great finale is coming, a finale the world will celebrate, a finale that unites the world. My children around the world will unite in this finale because they will see who I am, the great I am, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have so much more to share for you in this time, 
because you are part of the latter-day reign, and I am raining down my glory. Revelation knowledge like never before. I have given you a boldness that you have never felt before. A boldness when you speak my word, when you stand on my word, when you resist your enemies, they must flee. This is a great time of jubilee, a great time where you will see your enemies flee. Things have already started. Yes, a great falling away, great removals. So resist, resist them like you never have resisted the enemy before. Decree my words like you have never before. Shout your enemy's defeat like you have never before. Something big is coming. Something big is coming. Exposures are coming like never before. Explosive, dynamic, powerful like a nuclear bomb, truth like a nuclear bomb. So my children this day stand and shout and be persistent to resist the enemy. Call down every plan, plot, and scheme. Call them down. You will see them try. You will also see them fail. So get up. I have much for you to do, much for you to receive. This is the time you've been waiting for. This is the time you've been praying for. Your deliverer is going to be seen. This is only part of the word, so be sure to use the link in the show notes to hear it all. This is not a time, in fact, there has never been a time when God's people are to sit back and wait for God to accomplish things. No, God has always determined to work in and through his people. This is a time unique in all other time in history where we must choose whom we will serve and get engaged in this very real battle. I hope to have encouraged you today and that my research brings peace and comfort to you. As we are being graced to live in peace and safety, let us not fail to use our time and abilities to pray for those who are suffering in these wars. Let us decree and declare, according to God's will, the word and peace and safety of Jerusalem, and for all who belong to God, to make a point of drawing exceedingly near to Him, for those who are yet to repent, to do so without delay, and for the supernatural comfort and deliverance of the Holy Spirit, be given to those who are suffering. Next week, I hope to have a special guest to further help us discern the times so we can move ahead in faith and not be moved by fear. I don't have him confirmed just yet, so I don't want to say who I have in mind, but I do ask you to plan on listening next week and find out. If you like what you hear from me with this podcast, I highly recommend my book series, my award-winning blog, connecting with me on social media where I cover many more topics than I can with this weekly podcast, and consider signing up for my certificate course in apologetics. My aim with that course is to help people learn how to not only use apologetics to share truth with others, but help Christian leaders incorporate apologetics in their respective ministries so more Christians are confident about sharing their faith. Learn more about my online apologetics course using the link in the show notes. Should you have a topic you want me to explore with this podcast, simply let me know. Again, my email address is faithtoliveby at pamelachristianministries.com. If this podcast blesses you, and I certainly hope it does because you are the reason I work as hard as I do, would you consider partnering with me in my vision? You know my whole goal is to help people discover and live in life-giving truth and to experience all the hope truth provides. You can, and I hope you do personally, share truth with others on your own. But have you thought about how many more people you could reach by partnering with me? Help me grow this podcast. Get my books into more people's hands and talk me up to others to get me more speaking engagements and increase this podcast audience, then together, as partners, we will be making a much greater impact than we can on our own. 
There are several ways you can choose to partner with me. Certainly, telling others about me and my ministry, along with prayer, is top of the list. There is nothing as powerful as personal endorsements or word-of-mouth referrals. Buying my books and products is another way. All of my books in the Faith to Live By series were written to help people better understand the Christian faith and how to successfully live it out. The first book is Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. The second, Renew Your Hope, Remedy for Personal Breakthroughs. And the third is Revive Your Life, Rest for Your Anxious Heart. There are two more in the series about the end times. The first one is Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's End Time Promises, written for Christians to properly understand God's plans for His people during the end times. And the other is Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today. It's written to help church leadership be ready in every way possible for the long-prophesied billion-soul harvest. Visit my website and get any or all of these books with a deep 20% discount by using the word TRUTH at checkout. I also welcome donations, but for now, they're not tax-deductible. However, I'm working on that, so listen in the weeks to come and you'll learn more about how you can support me through donations that will be tax-deductible. Supporting the businesses I feature as affiliate partners is yet another way you can partner with me. I seek to find affiliates who can offer you goods and services you need, and I have some very exciting money-saving America first goods and services you will not want to miss out on. Newest to my affiliate list is a company I'm exceedingly excited to introduce you to. If you're like me, you're tired of paying very high prices for cable television, and you've been waiting to find just the right company who shares your values to replace your cable service. Well, I found it. It's called Q Streaming. They provide over 3,000 channels, including live TV with local stations from across the United States, U.S. networks, sports networks, movie networks, and pay-per-view events. You get all that for about half of what most cable companies charge, and there's no contract, just a monthly subscription. Using the link in the show notes, go and look around and sign up to start viewing the programs you like for a fraction of what you're paying now. All while supporting a Christian-owned and operated company that exclusively uses word-of-mouth advertising so as not to spend money on commercial advertisement that supports the woke movement. And don't forget, when it comes to your health, I also have affiliate partners Mfinity and Dr. Zelenko's ZStack Supplements. You can learn more on the affiliates page and the information in the show notes. Also, there's Operation Tomahawk, which Scott McKay started. It's a subscription program that allows you to get your household and personal care items from a company that is American-owned and operated, because we don't want to support the deep state. And regarding your finances, I want you to know about Dr. Kirk Elliott. He's a personal wealth advisor who offers free consultations to understand your financial goals and help you reach them. When you purchase my books, products, or services, or products and services from any of my affiliates, You get something you want, and at the same time, you support me. It's truly a benefit for all of us. So why not shop for yourself or to get gifts for friends and family? Your support is greatly appreciated. All affiliate partners' information is in the show notes, and I have a dedicated web page where you can learn even more, and you can hear the interviews I've conducted in the vetting process. Of course, you need to do your own due diligence to make your own decisions what to purchase. But to help you, I am researching companies and interviewing their representatives and using their products or services myself to provide you a personal recommendation. There's a link to all the interviews in the show notes. I sincerely hope you appreciate my dedication to you through these podcasts. Let me know how this podcast impacts you and what you're now doing in response to the equipping you've received through me. Again, my email is faith to live by at PamelaChristianMinistries.com. 
If you like the content and resource material I bring with this podcast, you'll find much more by connecting with me through my blog. In fact, my blog has been awarded two unsolicited awards for Christian content. And I'm very active on social media. I can actually cover more on social media than I can with this weekly podcast. And to receive even more, please be sure to check out my dedicated podcast listeners page called Beyond the Podcast. Here's where we can connect exclusively, and you can download complimentary devotionals, resources, and more. And on that page, I also ask you to help me learn more about what you want by completing the form visible once you scroll down the page. And I would especially appreciate you subscribing to my complimentary bi-monthly e-newsletter. As a new subscriber, you can choose one of three gifts I offer in appreciation for your subscription. Subscribing will make you a preferred member where you will receive special announcements and offers not available to others. Depending upon where you listen to my podcast, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. A review helps the show reach more people, it helps spread the gospel, and helps people learn how to better apply their Christian faith. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember... Christ died for us, the least we can do is live for Him. 